Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Mike Wise Show, our guest is one of the best writers in the Hoop family. He's here to help us preview the NBA playoffs. But first, Darlene, do your thing. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Darlene, as ever, thank you. Howard Beck has covered the NBA for the LA Daily News, the New York Times, Bleach Report, and now... SI.com. He co-hosts a podcast, The Crossover, and also appears regularly on Sirius XM NBA Radio. And he's taking some time from his busy schedule to join me on the Mike Wise Show. What's up, Howie? Wise man. How are you, my friend? Good. Thank you for making time during, I know this is your busiest season having covered the league, and it's uh, it's crazy. But let, let's start right away with the playing games that begin on Tuesday Eight-seeded uh, Washington Wizards at the seventh-seeded Boston Celtics. Celtics look to be running on fumes while the Wizards are peaking at the right time. Your thoughts on this matchup? I mean, fumes might be too kind for the Celtics. Um, I feel like any given moment they might just bust out a you know one-two-three Cancun chant. I, I, I <laughs> oh, a little Nick Van Exel. Re- uh, I had to explain. Rewind. I had to explain where one, two, three, Cancun came from recently to some yeah. younger co-hosts I was working with uh, on radio um, because That's they had sad. no idea. So the Celtics, you know, look, Jalen Brown's gone for the season, so already you're down. You know, your second best player and really critical player. And this is a bit of top-heavy team anyway. Part of their problem the whole season was after Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then some mix of. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, that group, that, that core four, the drop-off was just so massive for them yeah. that they couldn't survive when Kemba was dragging his knee, when Marcus Smart was out for a while, when Tatum was out with COVID. And so their whole season's been really choppy and their lack of depth has been glaring. But they also just don't seem like a team that's maybe enjoying each other that much anymore. Uh, I'm not saying you. it's like deep-seated chemistry issues. I'm not saying they hate each other. It's just it doesn't look like a team that's really tied together anymore. And they have, they badly underachieved, even, even considering the injuries, they look like a, like a group that's ready to go home. Now it's double elimination for the seven and eight teams. So even if they lose to Washington, which I think they will, uh, they're still in play for the eighth seed. If they can beat the winner of nine, 10. So we'll see just how much they really want to stick around, Mike. Yeah, I think so too. It, my, my comment about that is, how quickly did Brad Stevens go from the wonderkin coach who could be looking at the uh, Mike Shashevsky's job at Duke to what is this guy doing and have they just tuned him out? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really easy as soon as a team starts to stumble. Right. Um, well, I don't know. I, I agree. I, about like I, 
I think it's funny how we go to these yes. these extremes, and I think somewhere in the middle is probably <laughs> Brad yeah. Stevens is a very good coach who happens to be going through a miserable time with his team for whatever reason. Yeah, I you know, it, there's always a whole mix of problems when a team that's got that kind of you know top end talent misfires. Is Brad Stevens partially responsible in theory? Sure. You got to be able to point to something specific though. And usually people are just like firing off. Like that's out of frustration, like fire Stevens, fire at Danny age, you know, right. like tear the whole thing down. They've still got a really great foundation. They just need to rebuild around Tatum and Brown. And, you know, we can pick apart, you know, some of the misfires in the draft over recent years and, and not maybe getting enough out of the hole that they got from the nets, but it's that hole from the nets that got them Tatum and Brown in the first place. So um, we'll see. That's a pretty smart front office. And Brad Stevens is still a pretty smart head coach. I think they just need to reload a little. I'm calling the Hornets over the Pacers tomorrow night in Indianapolis. Your thoughts. I don't think it's a stretch. I mean, look, the Hornets are a young, inexperienced team when it comes to the playoffs. They're led by a rookie point guard, but a, I mean, he's had a phenomenal season, Lamelo Ball. Um, and I, is, La- I just, is Lavar going to be at that game? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we've seen much of him all season. Wow. You know, the the distance, you know, he's he's you know he's obviously in LA, so the distance plus COVID restrictions um, between Lamelo and Terry Rozier. And Graham, you know, they've got multiple guys who can handle the ball. It's just too bad they don't have Gordon Hayward right now because one of the things I really liked about them, like they're a great ball movement team, multiple guys who can initiate the offense and are selfless with the ball. And, you know, they're weak up front and Sabonis may beat them up. And, you know, the, the Pacers are another team that's been really banged up and had a, a, you know, they're one of the bigger underachievers themselves, like Pacers and Celtics both. And so are the Pacers a little vulnerable? And especially with some, you know, internal weirdness, you know, the, the, the whole thing with their coach with Nate Bjorkren and uh, going at, uh, you know, Batatse and all that stuff, mm. or, or that was Greg Foster going to Batatse, but there's been complaints about the coach, uh, the head coach and the coaching staff. There's been a lot of things. So there's just some weirdness and some tension with that team. Um, it won't surprise me in the least, again, like with the Celtics, if the Pacers would just like rather pack it in and like, let's just reset this thing for next year. I um, I think LeBron James uh, saying Stephen Curry is the MVP ahead of their play-in game Wednesday is complete uh, subterfuge, and this is LeBron trying to play head games with Steph by flattering him, and it's a it's a classic move. I that said, I believe the Lakers will not only win that game, I think they're going to end up in the Western Conference Finals. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think they're going to end up in the Western Conference Finals. It's the weirdest thing in the world to think about the fact that the Lakers are simultaneously the seventh, potentially eighth seed, but likely seventh seed. And, and, and the arguably the still the, the safest bet to be the favorite in the West, right? You could go with Utah or Phoenix because of the top of the standings. You could go with the Clippers because they've got, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, it's year two. They're, they're more sound than they were a year ago together. You could even go with the Nuggets. They've got the MVP in Jokic. The Lakers are like, it's still the, if healthy, they're the favorites, right? And yet, whether they're seventh or eighth, if they go to the conference finals, it means they pulled two upsets technically. So this whole thing is just going to be weird to talk about, right? I think, it's, had- I think it'll be bad for the league, actually. I mean, great yeah, for the league and ratings, but, but, but at some point... 
I mean, that whole load management, like the whole notion of you can uh, you 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 can get right and ready, and the regular season really doesn't matter. That's it's, what that's what I'd worry about. Yeah, but I, but I don't buy that. I, look, the Lakers have been together for two years now, right? This yeah. is year two with LeBron and Anthony Davis together. They won a championship in year one. If they make the run back to the finals, it's because they overcame the lack of continuity and the choppiness of LeBron being out and Anthony Davis being out and then Dennis Schroeder being out toward the end because the most of that team had already been together, right? There's a muscle memory from LeBron and Anthony Davis and Catavius Caldwell Pope and Alex Caruso and the rest of the group that was already together and had been to the finals and won a championship together. It's not the same as say like the Brooklyn Nets who really are trying to microwave a championship in one season, having barely played their stars together again, not out of, not by choice. It just happened that way. But yeah. um, I don't think there's any downside to the Lakers for the, for the league, to the Lakers making, you know, a, a run back to the finals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to agree with you because these podcasts are always better when we argue, but, but I think you're, you're right on one level. And that's that you were there during the Shaq Kobe years. Does this remind you at all that third season when the Lakers were like almost coasting through the regular season, just trying to get healthy. Shaq was overweight. And then all of a sudden they got in the playoffs and they ended up like sweeping the nets and the final, it just wasn't a, it was almost a coronation and and they didn't, well, they didn't have the injuries the Lakers had, but these Lakers had, but those Lakers, there was a lot to me, there was a lot of um, similarities in that, in that once they got to the, once they got to the playoffs, they were a much better team. Well, the difference is that um, those Laker teams tended to treat the regular season like an inconvenience. Shaq specifically, when we talked about flipping the switch or not taking the regular season seriously enough, that was usually about Shaq more than anybody else, although there was probably a trickle-down effect, certainly not to Kobe. Um, So they would get to the postseason and then say, okay, it's time. The Lakers, and LeBron's teams have done that before too. We saw it in Cleveland. That's not what happened with the Lakers this year. They just got derailed by injuries. Like Anthony Davis had a a long-term injury. LeBron had a long-term injury. Um, They also changed out some pieces. They brought in Andre Drummond. They brought in Ben McLemore. You know, uh, obviously they'd already changed out the bench last offseason. And so they do have new pieces that they were trying to integrate. And then it got screwed up by the injuries. So do they have that same ability as those old Laker teams to flip a switch and be dominant in the postseason after a lackluster regular season? Yes. But I don't think it's because of some sort of apathy. It's more just they, they, they just had some bad injuries, the longest injury of LeBron's career. Once again, you you interrupting my half-baked takes with real facts. It's I'm sorry me, to keep introducing and facts it's ru- and it's, rational it's, thought. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's ruining terrible. it's ruining me, and it's it might cause me to to do an insurrection of my own some in some sort. And, and um, San Antonio, Memphis. The, West, the other Western playing again game, both teams have better records on the road than they do at home. Spurs lost eight of 10 regular season, their final 10 regular season games, but they managed to get the 10th spot. I, I think the Spurs are going home after one game, but who knows? It's the Spurs. I got, I know it's not Tim Duncan's Spurs and it's not Kawhi Leonard's Spurs and it's not, you know, Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili, Bruce Bowen, Sean Elliott, anybody like it's not, it's, but like, it is with a one franchise where you can say that there is a sustained culture that 
threads through all of those generations, including all the way to the DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Jakob Pertle, De- DeJounte <laughs> Murray Spurs, like because of pop, because they are always going to play their butts off. They're always going to be incredibly disciplined. They're always going to get the most out of who they have. And look, the, the Grizzlies at a glance have the bigger upside, right? Like John Morant and Jaron Jackson could become one of the better one, two punches in the league in the next couple of years, but John Morant's still evolving doesn't shoot that well. Jaron Jackson only played whatever it was like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games, whatever it was uh, this season because of coming back from injury. And they don't have a lot of high end talent. They're really spry or it's a spunky team, not a lot of shooting. Mm. So like I could see it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's winter go home. So it, one game, the, the Grizzlies get hot, get the Spurs back on their heels and maybe the youthful energy overwhelms the veteran crew. Although the Spurs have some young guys too. Um, it's possible, but Eh, when in doubt, bet on Pop's team. All right, all right. Let's let's speed it up here a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you your Brooklyn Hot Pockets because that's what I'm gonna call them now that you've said they're the microwave team. The Brooklyn Hot Pockets have won five straight, and they won't know their opponent obviously until the Celtics Wizards game is over. I think health and defense are both concerns. Can this team come out of the East? And, and, and do you think it's it's predicated on how Harden adjusts with his teammates in the postseason? They can. I don't think they will. I, mm, I just okay. – I ref, this is what I've been saying for the last couple of months. If the Nets go to the finals, especially if they won it all, but even get into the finals, it disproves everything we all thought we've learned about the NBA over the course of our – careers as reporters or that scouts and executives have thought they learned over the course of their careers inside this league too, which is chemistry supposed to matter. Time on the court supposed to matter. You're supposed to go through some struggles and some duress and overcome these things and work through it. And you have some fourth quarters that go awry. And then, Oh, the next time, you know how you, you got to learn each other and where, where you like the ball and, and how to hit your guys in rhythm and, you know, be able to like, you know, feel each other in a way where it's almost telepathic, right? Like the best teams, look at what Curry and Draymond do after a decade together, however long it's been, and the way they read each other, and it's amazing. Draymond chased KD out of town. I don't understand what you're talking about. So Curry and Draymond have this telepathic connection, Mike Weiss. Um, To expect that the Nets, who imported Harden in mid-January, sent out some of their best pieces to get him, and then – incorporated all these new pieces along the way too. Like Bruce Brown didn't start the season as an essential piece. Now he is. And Nick Claxton was on the shelf to start the season because of injury. Now he's an essential piece. And Mike James, they just, you know, imported from, I don't even remember where just a few weeks ago. And now he's playing a ton of minutes. And now you've got your three stars who played all of eight games together. And, and you're going to say, and we're going to make a run to the finals. Like it defies everything we think we know. And so, no, I don't buy it. I, and I think um, in, in the absence of another, of another team, that had high level talent, I'd say maybe, but the Sixers have their two stars that have been together for years. The Bucks have their two to three stars, depending on how you classify Drew Holiday. And their core has been together for years, even though Drew Holiday just had this first season with them. So there are, there are other teams that have strong talent, maybe not as explosive. And also, by the way, those two teams play defense at a level that the Nets have not even approached. Okay. Are you writing, are, this is stuff written down or is this just uh, a stream of consciousness in your head? Cause this is incredible. Your information <laughs> level. This is, this is just me having uh, had to c- come up with too many takes 
in a very short span of time on for, too for many multiple, shows. For multiple shows. I have no, not it's written great, any though, of this down. Yeah. But it's all, it's all smart. It all has conviction behind it. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I don't think the East is as special as the West. I, I almost look like look at Brooklyn as the Clippers a year ago. They they had chemistry concerns. They had that team. People thought they were going to get over the hump, but they didn't. And now I'm looking at the Nets, and I'm saying it's, they're not in the Western Conference. And I think that Milwaukee has not proven themselves at the top level yet. And and Philadelphia, I just. You don't have to see what Embiid looks like over a seven-game series in in um, in May, uh, but I, uh, you know, it all remains to be seen. I see the I see the Nets getting to the NBA Finals. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they'll get there. Um, can I do one of these annoying things again, where yeah. I just like punch so, like a a like crater-sized hole in your argument? In, in my theory, yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so as you say. <laughs> The Bucks and Sixers haven't proven anything, but the Denver Nuggets hadn't proven anything when they came back from down three to one to oust the Clippers in the bubble last year. So, like, it doesn't necessarily require that that, that the Bucks or, or Sex, Sixers have been to the finals themselves. And granted, these are teams that have both mm-hmm. misfired them at, at moments uh, in the last few years. But Giannis is the two-time MVP. Embiid was making a run at <clears throat> MVP this season before he went down um, and didn't play enough games, frankly. But Embiid, Simmons, Tobias, Harris, uh, you know, Seth Curry, that group, it's it's a strong team. And they play defense. Doc and Doc Rivers is, is seasoned. Like I I'm I'm going to lean toward the teams that have been together for more than five minutes. Okay. No, I, I get you. I get but one, I'll say this. Not the bubble, by the way, the not bubble, ruling out Miami either yet, by the way. Oh, that's true. The bubble was not playing on game game six during a road game in which fans have been allowed back in the building. Jamal Murray would not Absolutely. have the same series he had. Uh, that's my thought. Um, I stole it from George Carl, but nonetheless. I'll, um, and look, I, who knows what's going to look if, if Giannis got there, I'd be pumped more pumped than anybody. He's the best guy out there. And he's, he's an ambassador for his league for the league in, in Milwaukee and, Shoot, it'd just be fun to see a small market uh, get back to the NBA Finals. But I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm still about star power if they're healthy. Who knows? I uh, Let's see, Philly okay, – I'm sorry. Out West, if the Lakers beat Golden State, they get the Suns. I think, man, oh, God. I know you probably like the Lakers there, but, man, Devin Booker is so good for just for being so young. And, and this might be – I mean, I don't think CP3 has got, you know, two more long runs in his playoff career. This could, this could be his swan song. Oh, I mean, we've probably been saying that for several years running yeah, too, this right? Is like, true. The, like, like, and about LeBron too. Like guys are just like defying gravity yeah. and age these days. I think the Suns are legit. I want to be really, really clear about this. Like Utah mm. and Phoenix earned their spots right at the top of the West. It's not just because the Lakers stumbled because of injury. It's not just yeah. because of whatever, you know, is going on with the Clippers or Nuggets. Or like they earned it and they're legitimately really, really good. Both of them. But the, the, the issue with the Suns and the jazz both, and this is partially a perception thing, maybe more than a basketball thing. They don't look like the typical NBA finals team or typical champion, right? Because they don't have that one, two punch at the level of an Anthony Davis and LeBron James or uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Um, mm. They're not a super team. Chris Paul is a, 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 a future hall of famer in his twilight. Devin Booker is a young 
all-star who has just really gotten that recognition mm-hmm. and and it's fantastic. DeAndre Ayton, still evolving. Uh, Bridges, still evolving. Cam Johnson, like, it's a group that really hasn't, and, and they plus they jumped out of nowhere. They came from 10th to 2nd in the course of, uh, of a year without adding, you know, they didn't add a LeBron James. They added an older Chris Paul. Really impressive leap. But to ha- go from having never been in the playoffs, everybody but Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, to making the finals or the conference finals even seems like a stretch. And the Jazz... That mm-hmm. team has been together, right? That core has been together. They have, they've had their their stumbles. They've been to the play. You know, they've they've they followed the traditional NBA uh, narrative. You make the playoffs, you lose. You come back the next year, maybe you 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 extend a series a little bit further, you lose again, and eventually you break through. And this feels like a breakthrough because they had the best record in the league in the regular season. Do they have? Again, they don't, it's not a super team. They don't have that one-two punch that's a, that's elite. Donovan Mitchell's really good, but he's not going to make an all-NBA team. Rudy Gobert is great as mostly as a defender. Uh, and Mike Conley, you know, is again very good. Bogdanovich, good. Like, like I, it's it, they have to be the better than the sum of their parts. They've got to like be like the 2004 Pistons team that beat the Lakers in the finals, right? It's yeah, that be ain't that. happening. And, and so I just they don't fit the profile, so it's hard to buy them. And it's not a lack of respect. It's just that they don't fit mm. that profile. And the Lakers are just lurking there like, as long as they get healthy, here we go. Uh, again, not ruling out the Denver Nuggets either in this. Well, okay. I'm, here's some yes and no answers or, or uh, what I would call rapid fire. I believe Miami and Milwaukee and Denver and Portland have the potential to be seven-game series. Your thoughts? Uh, all right, Miami, Milwaukee was one of them. Yep. And could Denver, absolute, Portland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, both of those could easily <clears throat> go seven. Um, wasn't it Denver and Portland in that in that amazing seven game oh. a, a couple years ago? Oh, it's tremendous. Um, Milwaukee, Miami, man, like that one's just fascinating to me. Um, it's not maybe not as as sexy of a series as as the uh, Nuggets Blazers, but the Heat smoked the bucks last summer oh oh it was a it was a it it, it, it was a a punking of the uh, of the nth degree what they 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 out hustled they out muscled they they really intimidated them from a just a championship we're we we're going to take this uh, thing perspective and and they took Giannis, who was a two-time MVP or on the verge of his second MVP and made him look kind of ordinary right kept him out of the paint Averaged less than 22 points a game, not on great. Not on, I don't. I don't think it was on, on particularly great efficiency. Um, they've added Drew Holiday now, right? And they've added PJ Tucker. You know, like it's a different supporting cast than the one that lost last summer. And I think whether it's Giannis adjusting or Bodenholzer adjusting, uh, I think they'll they'll certainly have a better showing. But man, the Heat are so tough. I love Jimmy Butler. Love Bam Adebayo. The young guys did not perform as well this season as they showed in the playoffs last year. Who knows? Maybe we'll see that that click back in. But I really do. I, I I agree. I think that that one can go the distance because I don't think that like the Bucks aren't going to get uh, caught with their pants down the way that they did mm. the first time they they played the Heat. Um, and Miami, it's kind of hard to tell. Are they as strong now as they were then? But I I I think that one can mm. go the distance. And definitely definitely Blazers Nuggets could too. Yeah. Um, is Nurkic versus Jokic? European on European crime in your imagination, in your thoughts? 
I, like, I just are we bringing I, the UN Security Council into this? Yes, I think we should because um, there are very little times when a European center can end up in the NBA Finals and not just be some stiff role player. Like uh, what's his name? Uh, Darko uh, in, in, in the 2004 finals. Yeah. Or um, what's his name? Z, Zadrunas Elgowskis <laughs> in the 2007 finals. Right. I mean, this is, this is a, yeah, I don't think Nurkic holds his own again. I mean, I mean the, Mark, Mark Gasol did help the Toronto Raptors win a championship just two years ago, but you know. Uh, okay. MVP, uh, are you voting for uh, Jokic for MVP? I am. Good. Good. Um, uh, I just wanted to double check on that. Absolutely. Um, no, he, he, it, it, it was not, it was not hard. The rest of the ballot was a little harder. That that part was not hard. Yeah. And um, would you agree that um, we'll, will playoff Rondo and Patrick Beverly take Luka Doncic out of the game? No, no. Okay. Um, if, to, if, if Doncic is going to be quote unquote taken out of the game, it's going to be by the hand or the very large hands of Kawhi Leonard. It's it, it may be a little Paul George. It's not. Who do you be, like winning that store series? I mean, I lean Clippers. This is but, my this is my most. Uh, I saved the best for last. This is my most riveting series that I could possibly watch. It's it's it definitely has a potential to be really fun and po- potentially kind of feisty. And Luca's got some feistiness to him, and we know that that Clipper team. They might be a little bit um, sedate with their stars, but Patrick Beverly's not, and Rondo's not, and Marcus Morris is not. Um, like, there's some feistiness to that team. Sergi Baca, um, I, I and I, and the Clippers look they they you know to the extent that that team can have a chip on its shoulder, it should because they know how everybody perceives them based on that three to one gag job against Denver last year, and so. Mm. Um, you know, and I think they, they've they've got to snuff out the Mavericks early because if they give them life, like the Mavericks, that's a team that that I think can get on a roll. There's not a lot of high end weapons there, and Porzingis kind of comes and goes, but Luca's unstoppable on his own, and he and he 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 uses his guys so well. Um, that's another one that that could go that could go deep. Okay, as I as we spoke about earlier, you do have a postseason voting award. You will be voting. Who is your coach of the year? And I'm going to tell you who it is because you live in uh, New York in that area. Um, I'll say Tom Thibodeau. He is second on my ballot. Oh, God, you're going to give it to Monty Williams. What has he done? And who is he to deserve anything? I'm being facetious. As you know, Monty's one of the best guys in the league. And he's not only is he a great personal story with his his wife and everything uh, passing away in Oklahoma city. He just is, man, he took, he took lemons and made lemonade out of it. He should have never been fired in new Orleans. That's a good point. Um, Monty Williams, you know, people will look at this son's season and say, well, what changed from last season to this season? Oh, what was Chris Paul? Chris Paul gets all the credit. Eh, you know, it's never that simple for one thing. Monty no. Williams came in at the beginning of the prior season, the 1920 season, the one that, that got messed up by the pandemic. And, you know, they, they, they struggled a little bit along the way, but they caught fire in the bubble. Remember they go eight and no in the bubble. And you could see that things were starting to fall into place. And some of the things that really stood out in that eight game span, 
guys like Cameron Payne, Cameron Payne, who was left for dead, who had no NBA career to speak of, and who most of your listeners probably still haven't even like wouldn't, <laughs> no, couldn't pick out of a lineup. But Cameron Payne had been bounced around, like he, like his his career was over. He's a really useful player for them. Cam Johnson has come along oh. under Monty Williams. DeAndre Ayton has developed. Bridges has developed. A young team that's come together this quickly was Chris Paul the linchpin, the final key piece to kind of pull it together. Sure. But Monty Williams and his staff are the ones who developed this young group even before Chris Paul got there so that they could make this kind of leap. And so, again, like a team that goes from 10 years out of the playoffs and 10th last season to up to the last minutes of the regular season had a shot to be the best regular season team is incredible. What the Knicks have done is also incredible. And what Tibbs and his staff has done is also fantastic and praiseworthy. I, it's just, there's, there, those are two great candidates. Quinn Snyder's a great candidate. I think Steve Nash is a good candidate. I think Doc Rivers is a good candidate. Like those are the five that I seriously considered, although it was always going to be some combination of Monty, Tibbs, and Quinn on my ballot in some order. But what the Suns have done year to year, and it's, a, it's just a little bit better, right? Like the, the Knicks and the Suns both went from long playoff droughts to suddenly relevant. For the Knicks, it was to get to fourth in the East. For the Suns, it was vying for best record in the NBA up until the last night of the regular season. So, like, it's just a little bit more impressive. And then you can start to parse out, well, is it Chris Paul? Is it this? Is it that? Like, I get it. Monty Williams deserves a, a, just a ton of credit. And that that franchise, similar to the Knicks, like, had been wandering the desert, not just out of bad luck, but out of, like, just bad management. Just, like, <laughs> so... Uh, they've overcome that. They have turned the corner. And I think Monty Williams, the culture he's established, is a huge, huge part of that. Uh, we know that the defensive player of the year, you're, you're probably going to vote for Ben Simmons, correct? Gobert at the top, Ben Simmons, number two. Oh, God. How do you – what are you talking about? Ben Simmons has had an unbelievable year. He I don't has. understand. I do not understand that. Are you just doing that because Utah has got the record and – and and Gobert uh, allegedly dated a porn star at one point. I, I don't get that. You're introducing uh, uh, some statistics there that I'm not even uh, clear on. Uh, okay, neither am dating, I. Neither am I. But I've been are reading. You, are you just making that up as you go along? No, I actually read that somewhere. I don't okay. know why, and I don't think it's true. I just, you know, I mean, who's? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, this is if he is. This know, isn't the crossover. People aren't listening to this in great numbers. So go ahead. <laughs> No, I mean, listen, um, Gobert is, I think, the one player in the league who single-handedly, just by his mere presence, obviously he's doing something with that presence, but he turns a team into an elite defense by himself almost. You could like take Rudy Gobert off of the, the Jazz, move him to, I don't know, the Minnesota Timberwolves, move him to the Nets for that matter. Um, anywhere you plug him in, that team will instantly become a top three defense in the NBA because of what he can do. The ground he covers, the rim protection, the shots that he deters, not even just with shot blocking, but the shots that aren't taken because of him. Um, everything is better when he's on the court by a long shot. Now, is he the most versatile defender? No, you could say that Ben Simmons is the most versatile defender. He can guard the most positions in the course of a game. He's he's just a plug-and-play guy, it's, and he's incredible at it. And he's worthy of, of the top slot, too. I'm not going to argue with anybody who put him top. I I think that Rudy Gobert is slightly more deserving. Do you think it's weird? That, uh, oh, first, before we get to this question, um, your NBA rookie of the year. I think you got to go with LaMelo Ball. 
Um, I am going with LaMelo Ball. Yes! So at least I'm not pissing you off on this one. But I got one right. Um, LaMelo over Anthony Edwards. And it's not like Anthony Edwards didn't have a good season, uh, but, you know, LaMelo, the impact that he had. I don't didn't think- have a good season. He's averaging, what, 18 a game? Anthony Edwards had a very fine season and some incredible highlights and was really, you know, pretty impactful down the stretch of their season. But, you know, guys who turn it on at the end when teams are kind of starting to pack it in and everything, like it's not quite as important. And and so like at some point, it's not just the stats they're putting up. It's, you know, the impacting winning. And I don't, I don't do this all the time. Right. Like I'm not one of these guys who says like every single award has to come down to, but did you win? Because sometimes it's just about individual achievement. And especially for rookies, they're the, the best rookies are drafted to, to, to crappy teams. Like, yeah. so winning isn't always possible. But what LaMelo did to impact winning and, and help the Hornets become a playoff team again is really hugely uh, uh, yeah. just important, significant. Like, you cannot dismiss that. So that he channeled it into something productive and not just potentially empty calories on a crappy team means something and i know he missed a bunch of games but he didn't miss enough to 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 wipe him off yeah and lastly from what we've from what i've gathered anyway i think your final i think your your nba finals is milwaukee versus phoenix and which will probably be i mean if you're talking if you're talking the the absolute nightmare for jimmy pitaro the Disney, I mean, the ESPN president, that would be it for ratings. Um, and, but I think that's your final. There's a lot of combinations that would not make the networks and the league office happy from a rating standpoint. Right. Cause like Utah could make it, you could have, you, you could have Utah, Milwaukee. Um, I would boycott based on Mil- Utah's uniforms. The, the, this, the, that, that weird yellow. Oh God. It's just you know, the sunset one's awesome. I love that one. You like that one? Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I like the Miami kind of fluorescent, like you, you feel like. The Slurpee walking. one? Yeah. It looks, oh, God. Well, it looks we, like, we are, we are like just miles apart on NBA fashion here, uh, yeah. as if you and I are any arbiters of fashion. The, but Miami the, has, a, has a legacy of pastel paint and, and all they kinds of They look like different. a 7-Eleven Slurpee. That's what they look like. Okay. All right. All right. Um, um I don't, I, I, I'm leaning, as you know, I already said, I am leaning bucks to win the East. The West yeah. is a lot harder to figure out. It's, it's still like the Lakers, if LeBron and AD are healthy, but there's, right. there's a lot of volatility. There are a lot of variables. And so um, like, it won't surprise me if it's Denver, it won't surprise me if it's the Clippers. Um, it'll surprise me a little if it's Phoenix, given their lack of playoff experience. It'll surprise you. Denver will surprise you. Uh, I mean, Denver won't surprise you without nope. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is their second best player. All Jokic right. is the MVP of the league. And they've got Michael Porter Jr., who yeah. could be a lot of teams' best or second best player. So it's like they lost Jamal Murray, but they still have another star, Michael Porter yeah. Jr. Aaron Gordon is a really useful um, and versatile player. And they've got this bench. Millsap still gives yeah. them minutes and points. So Michael Green and, and uh, like every yeah. year, Mike Malone reformats his bench and has a couple guys come, a couple guys go. And then they all seem to all like play their roles exactly perfectly. They come in for their 12 or 15 minutes and you get the best out of them. And so the Nuggets, I feel, feel like there's a little bit of a, of, a, of a depth there too, not name type depth, 
but just a lot of guys who, when they come in, they're productive. And so could the Nuggets do it, survive without Jamal Murray? Like it's harder, of course, but I, I don't rule them out. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been great. And you've like, uh, on, on, on a night when there's a lot of crap going on in your life. Thank you so much for this, my friend. I, I, I never take it for granted. And I just, um, you're vaccinated. I take it. Yes. Because you're not one of these whack jobs that think you don't need to get shots. (laughs) And you, and so I guess my quiet, my last question would be, are you going to show up, um, at some of the, playoff series or the NBA finals now that now that or we're we're in a better place um I'm going to choose my words carefully and I'm going to keep this brief I'm not going to start going back to NBA games until there's a reason for us to go I'm vaccinated is no problem in going I have no issues no concerns it's just that if you go to an NBA game now as media you are still getting all access via zoom calls pre and post game and so it, it really, there's no point in being so in true. the arena. So I'm waiting for the NBA to, at some point, decide to relax its rules in light of uh, the world getting vaccinated and infection rates being way down. But that decision has not come yet. I don't know when it will come, but I will be very happy when it does. I don't know. If you're like me, you like being a dad and you like this life, don't you? <laughs> There are pluses and minuses, Mike Wise, but I will tell you this, as a sports writer who has covered the league for a long time, as you have as well, you know there's no substitute for in-person FaceTime with people. Building relationships. Um, And and it's just you can't – the stories aren't as good. The information's not as good. Um, It's not as enjoyable doing all this just from home. So uh, I'm looking forward to the return to normalcy soon. All right. All right. Thank you so much. That was dope. Thanks to my guest, Howard Beck, for his time and insight. Thanks also to my producer, Bruce Bernstein. Bruce, you've been getting pretty good at this. Hit us with the promos, my friend. Thank you for sharing the microphone with me, Mike. The reps have Mm. definitely helped me, and uh, I owe it all to you. (laughs) Howard is the best man. We love that guy. He's Uh, always so real and just breaks it down and not and knowledgeable beyond belief. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see why, you know, he's like the king of all media. We thought Howard Stern was that guy, but it's actually (laughs) Howard. It's not Howard Stern. It's Howard Beck. Anyway, we always appreciate his time. So thanks again, Howard. We also appreciate our incredible editor, Kristen Woolley. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay has the best in college hoop each Tuesday. Catch and shoot 2.0. With Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is here every Wednesday, and I filled in for Aaron this week because he's uh, feeling under the weather. And we had Jared Greenberg of Turner Sports, who was outstanding. When we asked him about Marv Albert and Mike Green, it was uh, some really emotional stuff. You might want to check that out. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt. King McClure drops on Thursday. And last week they had Brendan Haywood of NBA TV. Speaking of a hot take machine, he sure is. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops pod each Friday. And of course, a new Mike Wise show every Monday. And if you want to hear and see some selected choice discussions from all of our shows, please subscribe to the Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters and also check out a lot of our great segments on the Pure Hoops Media YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search for Pure Hoops Media, Mike. Yeah, Bruce. Uh, Look, the sponsors keep piling up. Uh, Monster Truck Spectacular has joined us. We've also got Rug Doctor and surprisingly out of the blue, Oscar Meyer Wiener, you know, and so they've they've joined the uh, Pre-Herbs fan. Thank you for joining us. 
Oh, I wish I were an Oscar, Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly I like, like to, to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. Wow. All right. Uh, look, wow. now that COVID-19 vaccinations are widely available, please get one. We're winning the battle, but keep your guard up and be smart. And while the mask mandates are ending in many places, it can't hurt to wear one when you go shopping. And I say this, like, I think it's really important because I read this editorial, Bruce, from Lena Wan, who you see her on CNN a lot. Um, and she made a great point. She said, the Biden administration screwed up here because they gave the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, so much latitude because they wanted to re-empower them after Trump basically said, you're a bunch of idiots. And so they, Biden didn't even know that the um, that the, the the vaccine the, that these guys were going to come out and say you didn't have to wear masks anymore if you were vaccinated until the morning of the press conference, and looking back, she's like, wait a minute, thirty seven percent of the country is vaccinated, so it's one thing to say if you're vaccinated now, you might be able to go to a lot of different public places and go out on your own, but to but to take the mask off. You're you're asking a lot of people who probably aren't vaccinated and they're not going to be on an honor system. They're just going to go out there and they're going to infect people. And so, you know, anyway, I really think people should I think you may, we make a great point here. Keep wearing your masks in public places when you're in a big, you know, it's one thing if you're out running outside, it's one thing with your family, they're all vaccinated. It's another thing you go into a mall and there's people all over and they all got their masks off. It's not a, you might look like the pariah or the one person doing it. Just do it. I mean, just for a little while until we're really out of this thing. Listen, people in Asia have been wearing masks for a long before the COVID thing. And I know from my own personal experience, since we've been wearing masks, I didn't have a cold since the COVID began. I didn't have the flu. And mm -hmm. I talked to my doctor about it. And he said, yeah, the reason people haven't been getting flu and colds is because of their masks. So, gee, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for things that go beyond COVID, Mike. All right, folks, that, that's our little high horse conversation about the COVID. Uh, we'll see you next week. Aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.